With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. I am wearing my coat right now because it is freezing in Command Center 2.0. We're in the middle of a nor'easter, about to get a foot, foot and a half of snow, and yeah, Welcome to New England and welcome to the winter. And this past weekend, we got a little bit of of a reprieve from UFC action after an insane eight-day stretch in Abu Dhabi capped off by UFC 257. So we got the chance to stretch our legs a little bit. Yes, there was some good combat sports action, some great combat sports action. KSW was crazy. Glory event was crazy. And now we get the UFC back this weekend and every weekend through March. There'll be three pay-per-views in that stretch, but it all continues this Saturday, UFC Vegas 18. That'll be headlined by Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. Plus, we got Corey Sandhagen versus Frankie Edgar. We got the UFC debut of Manel Cape against Alexander Pantoja. Diego Fajeda versus Benil Dariush is on that card. This is a pretty fun card. I know there's been some switch-ups, some changes, some injuries, some positive COVID tests, things like of that nature. But top to bottom, it's a pretty darn good card. And we will have you covered on that event throughout this week. But uh, as far as this show goes, some good chats on the program this week. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right to them. Here's the lineup. We're going to wrap things up. And if you haven't seen it already on our YouTube page, we're going to replay that chat with Tyson Chartier, the head coach of Calvin Cater. We're going to discuss the fallout of the fight with Max Holloway, why he didn't stop the fight, his thoughts of the night, the event, Cater's performance, overall, how Calvin is doing, all of that good stuff. You will hear that. It's his first and probably 
only interview that he's going to do on the subject. So if you missed it, we will replay it to wrap things up on the show this week. Joanne Calderwood got a big win at UFC 257 over Jessica I. She wants to keep getting after it. She wants to stay active. She wants to stay busy. And she has somebody in mind that gets her a little fired up to possibly earn another title opportunity. We will speak with JoJo. What a joy she is. And we'll do so in a little while. Mike Davis took part in one hell of a scrap on Fight Island against former Cage Warriors double champ Mason Jones. Super entertaining battle. Got fight of the night at UFC Fight Island 8. That was the Wednesday morning card. And as crazy as that fight was, the year Mike Davis had in 2020 was much crazier. And if you don't know the story, it is absolutely wild. You'll hear all about it from Beast Boy in around 15, 20 minutes. But first... Let us check in with the champion, the UFC Bantamweight champion of the world ahead of his first title defense. It's going to go down in a little over a month's time at UFC 259. Let us say hello once again to no mercy himself, Piotr Jan. All right, let us get to our first guest of the program this week. His second appearance on the show, but his first as the reigning UFC bantamweight champion. He will defend his title for the first time on March 6th against Aljamain Sterling at UFC 259. The champ is here, Piotr Jan, along with his manager and translator, Syed uh, Abdrakmanov. Piotr, thank you for doing this, champ. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm glad to see you, bro. Everything good. I'm glad to have you here. As uh, a lot of people know by now, you are in the United States training at American Top Team in Florida. When did you come to Florida? How long have you been in the United States for? Mm, in Florida, everything good. Good climate, good food, good gym. Uh, I will here seven seven weeks now we here now we came here three weeks ago and how are you uh enjoying the change of scenery so at least you know change of scenery is good you know it's good to get ready here and kick some ass after so this is the first time we've had the chance to speak since you became the champion, Piotr. We talked about how badly you wanted to win that championship, and you did so by finishing Jose Aldo in the fifth round at UFC 251. What was that moment like for you when the referee finally stopped that fight? You know, at the time, I really enjoyed the moment. You know, it's very cool to defeat such a legend and a killer himself uh, like Jose Aldo. But not, right now, I'm not really thinking about that anymore. You know, right now, my, all my focus is on Sterling and how to destroy this man. Uh, one last thing on, on on the win, because your job is is to keep on fighting until the horn sounds or the referee pulls you off. And the referee in that fight let things go for a very long time. You landed several unanswered strikes. It seemed like the fight lasted <clears throat> for probably a minute longer than it needed to. What were you thinking in that moment? Did did you feel like the referee took too long to stop the fight? Yeah, just like you said, my job is 
to fight until referee stops me or until the horn sounds. And, uh, you know, in this fight I was doing my job and uh, maybe referee could have stopped it earlier. But, uh, you know, right now there's no question who is the winner in this fight. Should have maybe he stopped it earlier, you know, maybe someone will protest it. But right now there's no question left. I would agree with yeah. that. Uh, what What is it like being the champion, Piotr? I know you have a big title defense coming up on March 6th, but you are the champion. Does 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 it feel different? Does do you feel like your life has changed at all? Быть чемпионом это очень ответственно, да. Но для меня очень важно защищать. Being champion is a very big responsibility, you know. But just winning the belt wasn't my ultimate goal. My goal right now is to defend this title multiple times, and I'm completely focused on that. And Aljamain is just next step on achieving my ultimate goal is and defending the, my titles many many times this fight was supposed to happen in december at ufc 256 but a few weeks before the fight was supposed to happen you withdrew from the fight due to personal reasons are you able to talk about what happened there and why you weren't able to compete in december no я уже много раз об этом говорил что поединок перенесся да yeah, I explained it this already on a few different occasions, you know, the whole pandemic thing affected me, affected my camp, the visa, uh, and you know, it's not really important when I will beat Sterling, important things that I will beat him, so it doesn't matter when. I'm a champion, he can wait until his beating come, will come. In a fun way, you and Aljamain have like built this fight up so well over the last several months. Even before you won the title, you and Aljamain were attached to each other and everyone has been excited about this fight ever since. Do you consider Aljamain Sterling at this point in your career kind of like your, your arch nemesis, your biggest competitive rival, or is there somebody else that sticks out to you? You know, I cannot say that he's my biggest rival, you know, he, he likes to talk a lot, he's a big mouse, and uh, sometimes I just happen to answer for his uh, tweets or something like that. So, for me, you know, he's just another opponent, but I understand that he's a challenger, you know, he needs to attract attention, attention that he needs so much, uh, but... Uh, uh, as I started training and preparing, you know, recently he's gone quiet. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to his big mouse. Were you having fun? Oh, go ahead. You know, Aljamain also have his teammate, Mirab, Georgian, uh, judoka, samba fighter. You know, I have a, my training partner, Dennis, with me too, who's also de uh, decorated judoka. You know, if they have guts, we can do it like two on two. I'll fight Sterling, and my and my training partners, Dennis, will fight uh, his guy Mirab, and we will show them what's no mercy team is looking like. We're gonna break them. <laughs> so a little a little tag team match, you and your teammate against Aljamain and Mirab. I love it. Yeah, Aljamain already gone quiet. When he hears that, he's going to be gone for a while.
<laughs> one of the one, one of the interesting things that you said the last time we spoke before you won the title is that you believed strongly that no matter who else was there in this division, you felt that Jose Aldo was going to be your toughest test compared to Aljo and some of the other guys. After sharing over 20 minutes with Jose in July, do you still feel that way? Do you feel like your fight with Jose Aldo is actually going to be tougher than the fight you're going to have with Aljamain Sterling? You know, Aldo is one of the toughest fighters in MMA. You know, he punches hard. He have a unbreakable heart. He's a very, very strong fighter. Sterling, on the other hand, I don't know what he's hoping for when he's going to fight me. Is he hoping just on f to work his jiu-jitsu on me? You know, I don't understand. You know, I'm, I'm working and training with black belts and it's not a problem for me. You know, I'm training to break him and destroy him. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't I cannot see what he's gonna offer me and I'm determined to prove to everyone that I'm deserve to be a champion and I'm gonna defend this belt for a long time. Do you feel like Aljamain presents any kind of challenge to you? I mean you feel very confident that you're gonna go in there and and and, and do it and dominate in this fight, but anything can happen. When that cage door shuts, it's a fight. But do you feel like Aljamain presents any sort of challenge to you whatsoever? You know, uh, I hope there's not going to be much of a challenge from his side. You know, right now, mentally, I'm so strong. And uh, I believe and I have no doubt in my mind that uh, I'm going to beat him in every aspect. And, uh, you know, I believe that, you know, the thoughts are materializing, you know, whatever you think becomes uh, real. And from myself, I just need to be focused, cold-blooded, and uh, just go forward and uh, get the things done. <clears throat> you mentioned one of your teammates uh, that you've been working with to get you ready for the fight, the tag team match and all of that. But uh, any other sort of new looks you've gotten over at American Top Team? Any, any training partners that you've been working with? Uh, so, some new folks, so to speak? Uh, you know, American top teams, there's no shortage of sparring partners. There's many Brazilians, uh, fighters, there are many like champions of different organizations, many black belts. I'm working with everyone. I, I, I don't feel any trouble working with anyone. And uh, in my head, I'm so focused and so determined and confident that I'm going to beat Sterling. So right now, I'm really... Uh, I would say really intense and uh, maybe after the fight I'm going to relax a bit but not right now is a focus time so we're a little over a month away from this fight Piotr you seem intense you seem ready to go how do we get this thing done against Aljamain Sterling I know you're expecting to go in there and dominate but is there a certain way that you're visualizing this fight playing out hmm yeah, I want to finish him. You know, every time I fight, my goal is always to finish the opponent. And this time going to be no different. So as you've seen since you won the title, the division looks a little bit different. Like we've seen Frankie Edgar fight and win. Now he's fighting Corey Sandhagen on February 6th. 
TJ Dillashaw is getting ready to come back now that his suspension is over. Cody Garbrandt looks to be sticking around at 35 for the time being. And now Rob Font is in the top five after knocking out Marlon Mariah. So obviously you don't want to look past Aljamain Sterling, but you are the champion. You got a bullseye on your back. Do any of these guys sort of stick out to you if all goes well against Aljamain, or are you not even thinking about that right now? You know, you're going to find out in my post-fight interview in the Octagon. I will call out my next spray, and you're going to find out who's going to be next, who's going to be with it next after Sterling. Fair enough. Um, I, I do want to touch on one thing real quick. I know you've done some interviews. You've, you've talked about TJ Dillashaw, and you said essentially that if you if all goes well, you beat Aljamain, and if the UFC wants you to fight TJ and the price is right, <clears throat> you're into that fight. But I am curious, from your perspective, do you think that TJ deserves an immediate title shot after the suspension, or do you think he needs to get another win, fight somebody else, and earn that title shot first? To be honest, I don't know if he deserves to fight for a title or no. You know, it's up to the experts, matchmakers, organization. You know, if they're going to choose him as an opponent, I'm going to fight him. Last thing, Pyotr, what is your, uh, what, what's your favorite part about being in Florida? Like outside of the training and getting ready for the fight, are you doing anything fun out there? Doing anything with your free time? Enjoying uh, the warmer weather? Like what are you, what are some of the things that you like about Florida that maybe you weren't expecting to like? Bro, uh, when we have uh, time, we spend, it's time for relax, for recovery. Yes, it's, we're going to beach, to swim, to massage. Yes, it's only relaxed time. I told you, I now 100% focus, only prepare, yes, for my next fight. So nothing, so we're just enjoying, we're training, we're re relaxing, recovering, all things yes. focused on Aljamain Sterling. Yes, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right but hey you're the champion man that's what it's all about you're the champ you got to do things your way but uh very excited for this fight Piotr. I, I think it's it's a really fun matchup it's all going to culminate with aljamain sterling this rivalry that has gone on for so long really looking forward to it thank you very much for the time today Piotr. all the best to you for the rest of camp and in the fight itself and syat thank you for your time as well i truly appreciate it Thank you, Mike. Thank, Thank, you, Brian. Thank you. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Piotr Jan, ladies and gentlemen. As you can see, he's ready for Aljamain Sterling. Sounds like a... Sounds like he's very intense in nature, as you can see there. I, honestly, I cannot wait for that fight. Should be a barn burner. March 6th at UFC 259. As the year was ending last year, I had that fight circled for a couple of months. Could not wait. We're finally going to see it in around a month's time on March 6th. Speaking of barn burners, Mike Davis had a barn burner with Mason Jones at UFC Fight Island 8. Let's hear from Beast Boy himself right now on what the heck. Crazy story alert. All right, let us say hello to Mike Davis. It had been a little over a year since we had seen him compete. I believe it was October of 2019, and boy, did he deliver an entertaining scrap and a win over Mason Jones, UFC Fight Island 8. Mike, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Yeah, what's up? Not too much. I'm uh, excited to be here. It's great to have you here, man. First off, after well over a year away, just to get back and make that walk and just get back to competing again. I mean, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder but i'm sure it went beyond that for you you know considering the 2020 that you had is that accurate oh yeah uh 100 it's been a i don't know man I, I can't even explain how bad my year has been and then to finally start 2021 off with a beautiful beautiful start beautiful set like with everything that's happened over this fight island, I'm set for the year already, and I still got 11 months to go. Man, what a, what a great way to kick things off. So, so kind of going back to the layoff, because you were scheduled to face Giga Chikadze on a couple of different occasions. You were forced to withdraw from both those bouts for different reasons. So I guess, like, how difficult was 2020 for you? Like, what were some of the things that you've had to overcome? Because I know you talked about you got a little bit emotional at the post-fight press conference after your win, but... I don't know if a lot of people actually know what you had to deal with in 2020, but just going by some old social media posts that I saw from you, yeah. you did a, you went through a lot in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, I've been injury after injury after injury. Um, every month of 2020 brought some kind of new adversity that I had to overcome, uh, starting with the broken ribs, then the, the infection in my cheek, I had some weird infection in my cheek. Um, COVID, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was COVID. I never tested positive. I got tested while I was sick too. And it wasn't positive, but I'm pretty sure it was COVID because everyone who's had it states, they had the same symptoms, same whatever's. 
Uh, got hit by a car. Uh, that really messed me up for a while, or a couple months. Uh, when I healed from that, my legs were good. I started running, tore my meniscus, um, tore my groin, uh, tore my labrum. It's kind of healed now, but after that fight, it's, it's driving me nuts, so I'm getting that checked out. Uh, got forced out of my house. I couldn't afford to pay rent. I didn't make any money all 2020. So at the end of 2020, I ran out of money and couldn't pay and had to leave. Right now, I'm on the couch. This is uh, pretty much where I stay right now. So I'm currently in the midst of looking for a place. I do have the money now to finally put a roof over my, my own roof over my head. So I'm excited to move into a place, I believe, February 1st. I just got to find one that really sticks out to me. There you uh, go. Now you have options, right? You're yeah. A, you're, you're a bonus-winning fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, this this uh, fight really really saved my life because I was in a bad spot. I was in a bad spot mentally and physically and financially. Now I'm just – I feel saved. I really do. So you were hit by a car? What? Yeah. What happened? I was riding my bike down the beach. A lot of traffic, a lot of people there. And I went to go cross the crosswalk. And when I looked, there was no cars, but a car was pulling out as I was looking. I didn't see that car. And he just sped up to try and beat traffic. And I guess he didn't look forward and hit me, just T-boned me off my car. Or my bike, I'm sorry. Oh, my God, man. That straight T-boned me right off my bike. Jeez Louise. How did you like? How did you react to that? Like, are you? I mean, my adrenaline spiked so fast. I was just gonna say, I was so mad, and I guess he pulled over and he saw me lifting my bike up with one hand and throwing it. So I guess he thought I was okay and took off. Ah, oh, geez, did they ever catch the guy? No. Ah, oh, that's so ridiculous, unbelievable. When um, were you when you were dealing with all this? Were you beginning to think? Because I know in your post-fight press conference you said like that this fight saved your career in a way. You felt like it saved your career. Were you beginning to think that the door in fighting because of all of this that it was closing? Like, did it ever get to the point where it became like you know what? I just can't do this anymore because like physically I could get back there, but financially maybe even like from a mental and a spiritual perspective, yeah. I might not have any other choice. I I thought about. Because fighting, I have to be healthy to do. And because I was injured literally every month of 2020, I was just thinking to myself, like, if I can't be healthy for even a month, I don't think I can be a fighter. And I'll never be able to fight. I'll never be able to get in the ring. So I might as well just call it quits and um, go back to school, finish my degree, or, or start coaching or do something else. I thought about it. I thought about it. What kind of got you back? What kind of made you turn the corner? Um, it was kind of like a do it or fail. It's like I'm I'm gonna take a fight, healthy or not, which I I wasn't healthy at all in that fight, but felt felt decent enough to fight. And um, yeah, it was either take this fight, whoever it is doesn't matter win lose you have enough money to sit down recover and then get back into it and i just thought that's what i'll do so you weren't healthy at all like on a scale of one to ten like where would you rate your health overall in that fight 
Oh my god, a one to ten? Five? I'll say like a five. You're <laughs> five? Yeah. Wow. I'm joking. I'll say like a five. Oh my god. Um, when I arrived in Abu Dhabi, I had uh, tingles going up my arm. And then four days out from the fight, I got something called uh, a trigger finger, I believe it is, where I, it was just, it was so painful. It was the most, like, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to throw jabs the whole fight. Or I, if I did, I would, it would just hurt everything. Like, even just the motion of throwing a punch hurt in my room, shadow boxing, or just moving around lightly. It hurt so bad. My hand hurt so bad. And it's the hand I broke. So um, it's definitely still, it wasn't good in the fight, and I broke it. Jeez, man. Um, yeah, it was not good. I was, like, just forcing adrenaline to throw punches because this hand, this my, my left hand hurts so bad, and now it's broken. So <laughs> it's kind of just shows that it wasn't good to start with. Um, like I said, that labrum, uh, it's painful now since the fight. After the fight, it really hurts. But um, before the fight, I, it was okay. I would give it like a six out of 10, not, not a 10 out of 10. So throwing my crosses when I would connect with him and he wouldn't move back and it would jam my arm. It hurt instantly. like so bad in, in the middle of the fight. And I would just forget it. I'd be like, Oh, well, whatever. I just keep going. Um, so, so this was like, I mean, this was just like all heart and will in there. Right. Cause I mean, you're <laughs> all heart and will. Oh my God. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, do you just not feel it at all in the fight? Like even in the third round, were you starting oh, to feel, feel everything more? No, I didn't feel anything. Oh my God. Not until the fight was over. When the fight was over and my adrenaline's cooling down, I'm realizing I won. And, uh, I look over at Paul Felder and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> he was like, damn, good fight. And I saw him. And, uh, when I was walking to the back and I sat down, the minute I sat down, everything just sank into me and I was like, holy shit, my body hurts. <laughs> <laughs> then my, then my hand was fine. But then when they started looking at it, they're like, yeah, they, they moved it and it hurt so bad. And then it instantly swelled up instantly. It was huge. How relieved are you just to, that you got through that whole thing, yeah. win or lose, just getting through the whole fight. How relieved are you? I was so relieved. I was, that's why my, my, uh, post fight the win when they called my name i was cursing and i was just overly happy because i was like dang i really did that <laughs> i did not i i went into the cage not thinking it was gonna go that way i really didn't my number one fear going into that cage during abu dhabi was the fact that i don't think my body is gonna handle this fight that's i just kept pacing back and forth and i was like Something's going to happen. My arm's not going to work. My hand's not going to work. My legs aren't going to work. Something's going to, because uh, I was getting work done too. And, and I had weird pinching going on in my left leg. So nothing was happening. Nothing was going right for me. I didn't sleep at all. Made two hours every night. Was it just, um, like I, I had, we had a colleague out there. He had a hard time sleeping too. And he wasn't getting in there and fighting and wasn't dealing with the pain that you were going through. Was it like the pain itself or was it, you know, just the thought of the fight? Like, was it, was it a combination the, of things? It was the pain. Um, it was the, the time difference, um, the climate. I just, I was out of it. Like I was not a hundred percent at all. Not even close. Like I said, I was five out of 10. Good God, man. <laughs> yes. 
this is why I'm on this side of these interviews and not on that yeah. side of those interviews because of everything you're describing right now. Did you know much about Mason Jones when they offered you the fight? Like, obviously, you know, hardcore fans know who he is. Great run in a in a in Cage Warriors, two division champion. But when you got the name, I'm sure it didn't even matter to you. You're just like, I'm no. fighting. I don't care who it is. But did you know much about Mason at all? Like I said, when when I got to the point in life where I was like, if I don't fight, then I'm I'm gonna be homeless. I'm gonna be on the street. So I, I messaged Abe and I was like, look, I'm at that point where it's fight or or I'm not gonna make it. So. Whatever name you got, my answer is yes. At, at first, they offered, he gave me some name. It was like Jones Mason or something like that. And we looked him up, and he's like, on a three-fight losing streak, doesn't even fight for the UFC. I was like, this can't be the right guy. But um, then I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's perfect. It's an easy fight. But then he says, oh, they got the name. Sean Shelby got the name wrong. It's Mason Jones. And he sent me his profile, and it's like 10 and 0. Perfect. Doesn't matter. Let's go. I said, yes. I didn't know who he was. Um, didn't know he was a Cage Warriors champion. Didn't know anything. I, I honestly, when I saw 10-0, I was like, he's just one of them scrubs that was fed fights. And he's 10-0 for nothing. And now he's getting a UFC debut. I'm just going to walk through this kid like I do everybody else. So I never thought anything of it. And then all the way up until a week to, before the fight, four days before the fight, uh, Mike Brown he was messaging me. He's saying, Mike, you want to, let's do some MMA training. Let's go over some things you want to do in the fight. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do in the fight because I don't know how this kid fights. So I sat down, opened up the laptop, looked up, looked him up on YouTube. And I was like, Oh, Oh, so this is who I'm fighting. And it was, it was interesting because I didn't know that he was, he fought all good people. Like everyone had a plus record 12 and one 12 and so blah 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 really good people and i was like oh he wasn't fed he just walked through people and then i watched him fight and i was like yeah he's really walking through people so i was like all right i got a fight in my hands this is whatever let's do this so i went from there that's when i learned about who i was fighting and uh yeah four days later i beat him was it a good thing that you went and looked at that stuff because there's fighters who are just sometimes they, they don't they just focus on themselves. They don't want to know any of that stuff. So they just go in and they just do their own thing. But are you happy that you went and looked at that stuff? Did it, did it enhance anything for you or did it not change much? Um, I don't think it changed much because my training, I can't really alter my training in the middle of cutting weight. So anything that I have learned or that I needed to learn was already done. Um, the only thing that we were doing in Abu Dhabi was focusing on the weight cut. So when I was working with Mike Brown, it was literally just, uh, back and forth mitts where I was breaking a sweat and we just do that for like an hour or so. And that's it. all it was focused on was making me sweat so I can get the weight off. Um, looking at his fight, it definitely prepared me for, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to finish him in the first round. I, I just had a, a, an idea or, or a gut feeling that he wasn't going to fall in the first round. When I found out he didn't fall in the second round, I was like, all right, it's a, it's a war then. And then the third round, I, I had to come out strong, which I did. And I just dug down to whatever I had left and let it all out. Getting to the fight itself, I mean, you mentioned everything. You, you were worried that your body may not even get you through the fight. Your music hits. You walk to the octagon after all this time. What did it feel like, like when your feet finally touched the canvas? You're in the octagon. It's been 15, 16 months. You're back where you belong. What's felt, that feeling like? Did it take the pain away almost in a way? It felt different this time. I don't know why, but when I 
got into the octagon, there was something in in me that was comfortable. Like this isn't anything new anymore. So I think I think with the exposure, the being in the UFC, this is my third, fourth, essentially fourth time stepping on a UFC canvas. Um, I'm just used to it now. I've just felt so comfortable, and that helped me like bring out the best version of me. I feel like you could not have gotten a better opponent for this situation. One, because the hardcore fan base was all over this fight. It was like everybody's under the radar pick. Like I usually yeah. post out like the morning of an event and I say, what's the fight that's not getting enough love? What's your under the radar pick? Everybody like, it was like unanimous. It was this fight. And two, because he was so tough and so durable, it made you work that much harder and go through these different stages as a fighter that you have to go through. Plus yeah. you're dealing with all these injuries and stuff. I feel like this is absolutely perfect. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. With this fight, it definitely showed that I wasn't just some fighter who got an easy fight last one. I've been, I don't think Sean Shelby likes me, to be honest, but I've been fed, fed to absolute monsters since I've gotten to the UFC. It started with Sadiq, then Gilbert, uh, Thomas Gifford, I didn't ask for. Um, well, I, he wasn't like planned for me. So that, that doesn't count. Sean Shelby didn't pick that guy. They just gave it to me because they needed someone to fill an empty slot, which I was ready. And then now Mason Jones. Like these three fighters, I think will be, Mason Jones can get up championship level, 100%. That kid's a championship level fighter. And he proved it. He's the only other two-time champion cage warriors besides Conor McGregor. And I think there's one more. But who, Conor McGregor is number one leading on MMA boards he's the most popular fighter in in a way but uh man yeah they, i don't think they like me at all <laughs> he gets gilbert burns in his first ufc fight and now gilbert burns gilbert burns is fighting for a champ for a world title in like two weeks from right now yeah. it's craziness and that was your debut fight i think he's gonna win and if he does win that just makes me look even better there you go. You look like a million bucks if he wins if that he, fight. If he beats Usman in the first round, I'll look 10 times better. <laughs> <laughs> so watching that fight this past Wednesday, I scored it for you. I'd say the majority of people scored it for you. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if you look at MMA decisions. It's a website where like media members give their scores. 12 out, of, 12 out of 20 media members scored it for you. Four of them gave you all four, all three rounds. Uh, one media site, a very popular one. Scored at 30-27 for him, which, listen, I'm not a judge, but that score seems absolutely absurd in my eyes. So it's interesting. While many believe this fight was super close, you didn't seem to think that way. Why is that? 30-27 for him? 30-27 for him. No, I, I posted a little a little thing because I was getting a lot of messages from Welsh people saying that you lost that fight and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to send a post out there that it wasn't a close fight. Because if you look at the fight, one, you look at my face. I have zero damage. And he is still jacked up. Two, they, they look at damage, okay. But two, not only did I score three or four takedowns, I stuffed all of his. Um, I evaded 50%, 60% of his significant strikes. He, he doubled my output, yes. He threw literally like double the amount of punches I did, 
but my accuracy, my connects, my significant strikes were way higher. There's way more accuracy in his. He's just flailing his arm, his limbs around and not connecting with anything. So that that has to be judged. It's like you can swing all you want. If you're not hitting me, who cares? And then uh, I believe that's just it. There's just those two things based on that. He looked like the busier fighter. I was, yeah, I was on my back foot the whole time, but I was countering, moving, takedowns, better significant strikes. I definitely won every single round. You were cracking him, man. I won. You were cracking him. I was so surprised he did not fall. It's a tough dude. Thomas Gifford, man. (laughs) (laughs) These people. I don't know what it is. He hit me with some good shots. I definitely, one of them, the one that gave me that little cut that was bleeding, that one like closed my eye in the middle of the fight. My eye was open, I can tell, but I couldn't see out of it for a good like 15 seconds. And I saw him coming forward. And I think that was that was one of the shots in the second round. Um, I shot in on him. I missed the shot. And then I threw a spinning back kick to keep him back yeah that, that was the point where he hit me with like a left hook or something and it gave me this cut and in the middle of the fight this this whole eye went blurry and i was like oh i need i need a second i need a second and i was trying to find some space but he's still on me so i threw a spinning back kick and he stopped coming forward and my eye cleared up and i was like okay i'm back let's go <laughs> <laughs> there's some good wherewithal right there to, to throw a move like that and it's it seemed to work at that time i'm curious how would you grade your performance overall. And I ask this because one, oh. everything you've gone through in the pain and all of that stuff, but two, there's been this debate in MMA forever about, you know, ring rust being a real thing or not. Like some people say it is, others say it isn't. Some have won, some have lost and felt both ways. So I how would you, how would you rate it? And, and do you think it's real? I think ring rust is real. Um, I did see a bunch of people saying that ring rust doesn't exist, but it's different because yes, uh, you're in the gym and you're, you're fighting every day. Uh, especially if you're at a top high-level gym. I'm going in Tuesdays, Saturdays. We're kind of like cracking at each other. It's like a 90% sparring. So, yeah, it's like a fight. But you don't get the lights. You don't get to walk out to your song where everyone's focused on you. You don't get the tension, the the weight that's put on you. Um, it's not just you in that room. Uh you don't get to step into this canvas where you know if you lose, it counts against you. Like at sparring, it's just you spar, you lose the match. Who cares? You're going with someone new right now anyway. It doesn't matter. But here you lose. It really counts against you. You can get, you can potentially lose your whole career. So it's a different, way different feeling. And if you're continuously fighting, you're more um, sure of yourself that you are there to stay, especially if you're winning like Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland loves to fight, and that's because he's winning every fight. But if he stopped fighting for a year or so and then came back in, and he had, he'd probably have a bad performance. I honestly think he'd have a bad performance. And it's, it's a real thing. What do you think has been, like, the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself over these past, like, 15 or 16 months? Because, dude, you could write a book based on your 2020 alone. What do you think has been, like... I mean, the perseverance alone is a story, but, you know, what do you think the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself between your last fight and and, and getting the win this past Wednesday? Uh, All the conversations that I've been having since the fight, how um, 
they've given me wolves. They've, they've fed me literally to the best of the best. And not only do I hold my ground, I either win. Oh, yeah, I either win or I hold my ground the whole time. And the thing with that is they said from my last – I'm four out of my last five fights, I think. Four yeah. wins at the last five. And the previous two wins, three wins, were me pretty much the same. Like the, the opponents are really tough, but I'm dominating them the entire time. Clear domination, one-sided. Now I fought Mason Jones, where it was competitive. It wasn't a one-sided fight. I had to really fight, but I still, in a sense, dominated that fight in every aspect of MMA. It was an MMA fight. I made it gritty. And learning that I can not only win a, like a domination, but I can win when I'm overcome with adversity or, or I'm really put into a challenge, it showed me that I'm ready to be at this level and that I need to step it up. So it really opened my eyes to the fact that I am a UFC fighter. Because honestly, before this fight, I was worried that this could be my last fight. Like Thomas Gifford, he had two fights in the UFC and they cut him. And I didn't want to be cut because I lost to Gilbert. I won against Thomas. But then if I lost to Mason, that would be two fights out of my contract that I lost. And I was just fearful that I would, wouldn't sign another contract. Yeah, I mean, especially after the year you went through, you I, I could see how you feel that way. I, I feel like if you ask most fans, they would probably disagree with you because you are an exciting guy. Um, I think we could – I wish we could erase the Thomas Gifford fight in a way because you beat up, you beat him up really badly to, to say it as nicely as possible. But can I, can I just ask you, how the hell – did you get to 145 pounds? I mean, you fought Sadiq. You, I can still make 145. You can still make 145. You seem massive on television. Yeah, I can make 145. Is it a, yeah. is it like a huge cut so, for you? For this weight cut, nobody asked about my weight cut. Before the weight cut, I showed up at the the venue in Abu Dhabi. I was like 165, I think. I was eating, um, drinking, drinking two gallons, three gallons a day. I was eating three or four meals a day. Uh, and every single morning, I would run uh, three to seven miles. Every single morning with Dustin. They would they would join me, Dustin and Mike Brown. And just the days, as the days go by, my weight gets lower and lower. Now, it's the day before weigh-ins, and I'm 161. Or the day, yeah, the day before weigh-ins, I'm 161. And I go in, dressed in my sauna suit. I hit pads with Tiago Alves for five three-minute rounds and then i do i think it was 35 minutes in the sauna and i was on weight i was 154 wow. yeah <laughs> i was like 153 and a half so in the morning when i woke up i had um i forgot what i ate some some a donut oh a donut <laughs> yeah I had I had a, a donut. It wasn't really like a donut. It was weird. It was some Abu Dhabi donut, but it was a donut <laughs> and a bottle of water. And I weighed in one fifty four point five. Wow! So you can get to forty five. I think I can get to, I can get to forty five, especially since we had a sauna. Like uh, Dustin requested a personal dry sauna that no one else had, so it had made weight cutting really easy. And that's a dry sauna. Oh, there you go. It's good to have good. It's good to have championship <laughs> fighting teammates, right? Or main event teammates. That's massive. <laughs> That's so massive. So, like, if, 
in your world, I mean, it's nice to be able to have both options if you need them, especially if you oh, want yeah. to stay active, but do you prefer one weight class over the other? I mean, 55, obviously getting there is, is much easier to getting to getting 45, but I can eat and I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to kill my body and cutting to 145. It takes a lot of mental power, like willpower. I, sometimes like the first couple of times I did 45, I was crying. It hurts. It hurts. It's unpleasant. And then sure like the next day my body recovers I, I drank a bunch of water um my physically i'm back up in weight i got some of my strength back but mentally i'm, I'm not going to be there like i'm not 100 percent ready to fight i'm not happy i'm not excited anymore my body's just thinking like wow i just cut all this weight and now i'm back to normal but my body my internal like functions aren't back to normal they're they've just secreted a bunch of toxins and and prepared my body for starvation. So I'm not ready to perform. So 145, yeah, I can make it, but I don't feel as good as I do at 155. That makes sense. Uh, you mentioned Dustin Poirier. Obviously, this is a, a big week for ATT overall. I mean, it wasn't an undefeated week, but your win, then it was all capped up by Dustin Poirier knocking out Conor McGregor in the second round. And listen, from everybody I talk to, common theme when it comes to Dustin Poirier, it's been couldn't have happened to a better guy. And he's a teammate of yours. He helped you cut weight. You guys did it together in a way in Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. How did you react to seeing Dustin put Conor away the way that he did? I, I honestly, I didn't call it that. I thought Dustin because Dustin, Dustin has crazy cardio. So I thought Dustin would bring it into like the third or fourth round where Connor wouldn't be able to go because I don't think he's ever really been there. Um, and he would TKO him in that fourth, fifth, or third, fourth, or fifth round. Uh, for him to completely handle Connor like he did, um, it took him a round. I, I saw that he was a little tense and that it was a he was like – probably thinking about what happened in the past honest uh, honest as a, as a fighter he fought him already he's probably thinking about how he got knocked out in the past he was a little hesitant but um going up a weight class he gained so much weight so much power that i think when he was fighting in the first round and he noticed that connor threw everything he had and he took it he noticed that uh that this was his fight like he he's a bigger and better person now so the second round he turned it up and really took him down. I was not surprised. I was very, very ecstatic for that because, uh, two fighters fighting two people from Europe with essentially the, both the same, like credentials background, two time champion cage warriors. And I was so happy that we both beat both those people and we're both from the same gym, same place is incredible it, it showed me a lot that because i train with dustin and we're both really good partners for each other that i can be in that level and that's really it's, it's eye-opening truly that's great that's great the confidence is rising mike you can see yeah. it in your face right now so <laughs> per perfect world you know i mean you get you got some healing up to do but when do we think we we see you back in there what's kind of the target date for you um I'm hoping my my hand doesn't need surgery or anything. Uh, it's definitely coming back. So I would say as long as my suspension, because I, I am pending suspension right now. So as long as my suspension isn't 180 days, so I don't want that. Ho hopefully it's like 60 day suspension and I can get back in in April. I would like to fight 
whatever card happens here in Miami in April where Masvidal, I think, is fighting Kobe, maybe. Is that done? Um, I think so. I think it's being it's being made right now. You think just, so? In Miami? Just because if you if you look around, this isn't me with personal information. I'm, okay, I okay. Have, I don't have secret information. I'm just <laughs> keeping keeping tabs on uh, Twitter and Instagram and everything. But yeah, there's talks that it's Mazdaal versus Colby in Miami with full fans or half fans. Florida's and a good place to be for that. Yeah, so that's literally from me right now. It's thirty minutes. So it's perfect. It's better than Abu Dhabi, right? So much better. <laughs> you won't see a failure in my cardio from lack of sleep and, <laughs> and climate change. So I'll be able to push all three rounds. Here in Dustin, uh, describe Fight Island. It's like it shouldn't be called Fight Island. It should be called Fight Hotel. Like we're just stuck oh, in a hotel the whole time. Do you agree with that? Prison. It's five star prison. <laughs> it is. You you can't leave that building. You're brought mediocre food. It is not like crazy. And then uh, after you're done cutting weight, you get to go and enjoy the good stuff. But no, it's it was bad. It was it was boring. <laughs> it was so boring. Good thing you had good thing you had teammates, right? is sit in your room and watch TV or work out. There's literally only two things you can do. So let's keep you in the States this time so you don't have to do that again. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the adventure. The trip was fun. The plane had the best steak I've ever had was on the flight. For, <laughs> I'm not even joking. It was <laughs> the best steak I've ever had. There you go. Living the lavish life, Mike. But getting back in the wind calm, getting the bonus. Yeah. I mean, you knew you were getting the bonus, right? Like, you walked out of that cage knowing I'm getting no. 50 Gs for fight of the night. You didn't feel that way? Nope. I never think that because it'll it'll let me down if I don't get it, which happened to me on Thomas Gabriel fight. I was like, that was performance of the night. That was knockout of the night. I got this. Yeah, that's 50 Gs. Let me plan some 50 G vacations. And, <laughs> and then I got literally nothing. I got ridiculed instead. How did you get ridiculed for that? It's not your fault. It's not my fault. The whole the whole match got ridiculed. It's saying you know, it should have been stopped earlier, that I didn't feel remorse for beating someone so bad, and blah, blah, blah. And it just went on. And still, even today, still I get messages about, like, how did you feel beating up Thomas Gifford? And it's like, I don't feel for you emotionally. I don't care anything about you. Um, I'm working. And I'm preventing you from hurting me. So until you stop, I'm going to hurt you. That's it. That's all I feel. That's the fight game. (laughs) Mike, listen, man, you have gone through a lot over this last year. I'm glad. I was very happy to see you get back in there and get a win. Uh, Your post-fight scrum was awesome. So if you guys haven't seen it, go back to the MMA Fighting YouTube page and check that out. Uh, I'm glad you were able to get here, man. Hopefully April, maybe in Miami maybe somewhere in the United States to see you back in there and hopefully your hands. Okay. And right, so we can yeah, get you back as healthy I, as possible. I want to be on, I have to fight before July. This is personal. I have to fight before July. So that way I can fight again. I want to fight at least three times this year because fighting once or twice last year or zero times last year, I'm sorry. And then twice the year before that, I feel like I'm so far back where I could be doing so much more. So I want to fight three or four times this year, regardless of my injuries. Cause you see, I took this fight with injuries and I'm 
not opposed to doing it again. <laughs> is there going to be a point where you can, we, we could settle you down and we could fix all of these issues and then get back or just, there's no time for that. Yeah, sure. no, there, there is. And I, I don't know. I need, I want to be 100% guaranteed that I'm set and nothing like the last year will happen again before I sit down and let my body heal. So I think one more fight, a win, one more win will set me in a, in a good standing where I can take a few months off and recover. There you go. You got it all mapped out. You got it all mapped out. You're ready to go. Let's get you another win, maybe another bonus, and then we get you all healed up, or at least as much as possible as a fighter another can get. Another bonus, right? then I'll, I will heal my body 100%. <laughs> I'll just sit down and heal until I'm 100% ready to go. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam, the soggy morning jog, the why is the dog taking so long, just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Man, that guy went through the ringer on multiple occasions. What a story to get back in the octagon, back in the win column, and what a fight it was. Mason Jones will be back for sure, but definitely looking forward to seeing what's next for Mike Davis especially after that conversation and finding out how injured he was even heading into that fight with Mason Jones. Just crazy. Just absolutely crazy what these men and women do for our entertainment. It's unbelievable. Speaking of entertaining, speaking of fun, speaking of just all the good things you can possibly say, let's say hello to Joanne Calderwood. Big win over Jessica I, UFC 257, led right into... Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier's big wins. What is next for JoJo? Let's hear what she thinks about it 
right now. All right, let us welcome in our next guest. Of course, UFC 257 was a memorable event, a lot of bright spots. And one of those bright spots came from our guest at this time, Joanne Calderwood, who earned a unanimous decision win over Jessica I on the main card. Joanne, how are you? I'm awesome. Still buzzing, still buzzing, still smiling. <laughs> uh, it, it was just a great performance. Congratulations on the win. I know in the buildup to the fight, there was a lot of talk about the Jennifer Maya fight and in hindsight, you regretted that decision, but you had to pick yourself back up and try to get back in the win column, try to get yourself back into the place where you earned yourself a, t- a title shot. Did that win over Jessica? Did it sort of get that bad taste out of your mouth? Kind of put that other loss behind you in a way? Yeah, it definitely made me feel a little bit better. There's, you know, there's always pressure going into a, a fight. But I feel like there's a little bit more when you're when you've just lost your last one and not had a great performance. So, yeah, I was I was happy to kind of be like, okay, guys, forget about that one here. (laughs) Here's a good performance. And I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. And everyone gave me great feedback that it was a great fight. So uh, happy with that. And I got the win. You had spoken with my colleague, Damon Martin, before the fight, and you said something that was kind of interesting. You, you essentially said that right now in your career, everything is is coming together for you, but you wish that you had your crap together earlier in your career. And you said that if you could find ways to not do something, like not train or do something beneficial, you would go with that feeling. When did that switch sort of flip for you? Like what changed to get you into the place you're at right now? <laughs> I still feel like it's still going on, but definitely maybe like the past couple of years, you know, Syndicate has been a big, big in the UFC performance institute as well. I just feel like everything has came together and then obviously meeting my fiance and I don't know. I don't know what the turning, you know what, actually it was probably when I made that decision to come to Vegas and before I was, I came to Vegas, I was in Australia for three or four months and I basically had turned my back on the sport and was like, you know what, I need to focus on myself. For those months, I just worked on myself. I was, uh, yeah, just kind of had me time and then I felt better from then and then I I made better decisions and uh, yeah, then I went to Vegas and then the the rest started happening and I feel like I was just in a better mindset of, okay, no, I'm going to give this another go and I'm going to give it my all and I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to uh, feel sorry for myself and, you know, life is not hard. Life is hard for everyone and you just have to get on with it and never give up. So, yeah, I think that that would be the turning turning point when I came to Vegas after those months of save my soul. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because your career is based on getting locked in a cage with another woman and going upwards of 15 minutes, maybe even more if you get into a main event or a title fight. But sometimes in this world, your toughest opponent is yourself, right? And I feel like, you know, from what you just said, I feel like you had to kind of beat yourself in a way to, to get to this place. Is that, am I, am I kind of on the right wavelength here? For sure. The, 
people are fans and people that are looking at us they're just seeing those 15 minutes that we're in the cage in the octagon you know so it's like there's so much there's so many other things going on training and in life and all that kind of stuff so yeah there's a lot of things that go on in the background that people don't realize but yeah it's a crazy world crazy life we live but it's great (laughs) this fight with jessica had a lot of build to it it was categorized as a grudge match although she said there was like no beef on her end but you said in that conversation with damon that you never really fought anyone that you really really wanted to punch in the face like this so let me ask you did it live up to the expectations did it did it feel as good as you hoped it would yes yeah yeah it was so good and yeah she it's funny because she said she had no beef but it's like go back are you delusional and I think she is uh it's crazy there is a lot of stuff she says but she genuinely believes that she didn't say it and yeah it's funny but yeah it definitely felt good punching her and kicking her in the face right off the bat you two ladies just met in the middle and you collided. It was a lot of clinch work, a lot of dirty boxing. This was just like one of those, it was like one of those like after school kind of fights, especially in that first round. And I'm sure you expected her to come in and try to take you down, but you know, her coming out so aggressively right off the bat, is that something you were prepared for or did that surprise you? Yeah, for sure. I knew her watching my last fight, she was going to do that and try and take it to the ground. It's a smart game plan for if you're watching my last fight. So uh, we did think she was going to do that, and I just wanted to make it. I just wanted to make it known that I was not there to. I'm not going to be a pushover. You know, I'm. She may think that I'm fake and I'm quiet and all that kind of thing, but that's okay. In the cage, I am completely different, but that's not fake. That's me doing my job. And I don't have to be a loud mouth or anything. Like, I'm there to get the job done. And I just wanted to get in there and put my hands on her. And I guess it showed. <laughs> the first round, you you were able to do more. It was very competitive for the first five minutes. But the second round, like, everything changed. The front kick to the face, it was just gnarly, Joe. <laughs> it, was, it landed right on the button, and it seemed like whatever momentum she was trying to sort of build to herself, it just went away and and went all the way over to your side. And you were starting to figure her out a lot more. You were going to the body. Your counters were very effective. What was that conversation like with John in the corner between the first and second rounds? Because things really changed, and you turned things up a notch heading into round two. Yeah, I think he was worried that I was going to gas out. He's like, yeah, the let's calm it down a little bit but I I knew I had it and I knew that I wanted to go in there and throw everything at her and I wasn't worried about gas night you know it's a fight and I've been there before and uh, that's kind of my work ethic I just go in there and uh, (laughs) throw everything I can so yeah and I wasn't scared of the takedown you know I wasn't I was so confident I just knew that it wasn't going to go in her way because I knew she was wanting to take me down and I knew, I just I just saw everything and I just knew it was, I wasn't scared and I knew that she she was hoping that I would be, she was hoping that I was, she was going to come in and maybe get the 
Jojo that fought the last time and run through me, but I was I was on the ball and I was not going to let that happen. You took her down, which I thought <laughs> was was pretty cool because I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. It got right back to the feet, but were you just kind of giving her a little something more to think about, a, a little gamesmanship on your end perhaps? Yeah, we definitely wanted to add that in. I think it was in the second or the third round, but uh, yeah. We just wanted to get her thinking. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. Why is she trying to take me down? <laughs> but obviously I wasn't going to engage and go onto the ground with her. Just wanted to throw that in there. Can I ask you about the burp? <laughs> How that feel? <laughs> what, do, what, what do you want to know about it? If it was a smelly one or what? I mean, it was it was right there for the for the world to hear. <laughs> I know I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't say pardon me, but I don't even remember doing it. I don't even remember, don't recall it happening. So it was funny that I saw that on my on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious, but also embarrassing. <laughs> hey, listen, you probably felt better and you won the fight, so maybe that's something you have to do for every fight now. It's good good juju, right? Just part my way to victory. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Uh, third round, more of the same. You landed a big knee. That was kind of like the exclamation point for the fight. And it was pretty clear you were going to win. But coming out, if you like followed social media and stuff, a lot of people felt like that was the best performance of, of your career. And you've had some really good ones, some finishes. But the overall body of work from like start to finish, a lot of people felt like this was the one, like this was your showcase fight. Do you feel that way going back and watching that? Or do you think there's been some some better ones along the way? Uh, yeah, only probably because it's fresh in my memory. I'm sure if we go back and watch some of my old fights, I've, that's my 40th. I think that was my 40th fight, professional fight. So it's a lot of footage to go through. But yeah, for sure there's been better performances in there I would say but this one's fresh in every everyone's mind so let's just go with it and it was a good opponent to beat I'm sure everyone was on my side for that <laughs> have you gone back how many times have you gone back and watched it just once after when we were still on fight island actually with the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, the current report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. 
So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.